Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Well, it is great to be together. Final Sunday of September 2021. Yesterday was the 25th. That means only three months till Christmas. We are entering the final quarter of the year 2021. Some, some people already for New Year's Eve. Anyway, just, just get on, just move on. But I'm telling you, there's a shifting that takes place, but it happens in God's people first. It happens in us first, amen? We've been in a great new series this month called Help Wanted about bringing that shift, even that shift into the atmosphere of the marketplace, the, the place where you work, occupy. Jesus said, occupy until I come. How do you occupy? With your occupation. With your occupation, that's how you occupy. That's why you occupy. So anyway, today I'm gonna finish up and anyway, we're shifting. The Next week is a new theme, but I'm gonna really jump on this one, okay? Because it's still, there's still something in this. So we're gonna build on what, we're get, what we got this month and next month you're gonna like it too, okay? All right, today's message is called Speak to the Mountains. Speak to the Mountains. And it's not a faith message. It's a message in faith. But I'm not teaching on faith today. I'm teaching on something else. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2 from the Message Bible says this. There's a day coming when the mountain of God's house will be the mountain. Solid, towering over all mountains. And all nations will river toward it. People from all over set out for it. They'll say, come, let's climb God's mountain. Let's go to the house of the God of Jacob. He'll show us the way he works so we can live the way we're made. Let me say that part again. He'll show us the way he works so we can live the way we're made. Somebody say amen. amen. Zion's the source of the revelation. God's message comes from Jerusalem. Mountains in scripture speak of dominions, kingdoms, governments, and rule. Joshua chapter one, the end of verse 11 says, go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. God has given you territory around you. In fact, where is your territory? You know what marks your territory? The Bible says, wherever the soles of your feet shall tread. God's given it to you because it's his. Finally, Mark chapter 11, verse 22, familiar to most of you, Jesus said to them, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith, have the kind of faith God has. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Let's pray one more time. Father, open the eyes of our heart and let your word penetrate us and empower us to live the way you made us. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. Welcome those of you online as well. Hope you'll get into the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible word of God with us and not just stop by for 20 seconds and keep moving. Stay right where you are. Don't, don't switch to something else. There's nothing better on Facebook right now, okay? I mean, there's other churches, that's great. I'm, but there's, enough, there's a lot of stuff on Facebook right now, but, it's, but you don't need to be turning there, okay? Last week, we talked about the shape of water. We said water has no shape of its own. It takes on the shape of its container. Over 100 times, the Bible talks about living water, and that living water is in us. You have living water inside you. You have living water, powerful, life-giving water. It's holy water, but it's not just Sunday water. Thank you for that one amen right there. <clears throat> holy water is not just Sunday water because it's not in a bin where we splash you or in the tank where we baptize you. Holy water is flowing in you right now. It's supposed to flow through you wherever you go. And that's where we're going to land today in this teaching called Help Wanted. You know, back in the mid-70s, two powerhouse generals of the faith, faith received almost exactly the same thought from God simultaneously. Bill Bright, Dr. Bill Bright from Campus Crusade for Christ, and a guy named Lauren Cunningham, if you don't know him, these were, these were generals of the faith. Uh, he was the founder, Lauren Cunningham was the founder of YWAM, or Youth with a Mission. When we used to meet him on the mission field, we would tease him and call him YWAM, Young Women After Men, or YWAM, Youth Without Any Money. But anyway, that's a, <clears throat> that's another, that was another thing, this is a joke. But these guys founded these, they both had hearts for young people. So these are both campus-type ministries youth ministries, but these were seasoned elder statesmen in the faith, even by the 70s, they were men of faith. And they were kind of from two different camps, completely different. But in the mid-70s, Dr. Bill Bryden seeking the Lord, he was asking God, he was lamenting over the changes happening in our nation in the 60s and 70s and how far the culture was drifting and he prayed and said, God, how do I turn the world around? How do we turn the world around for Jesus? Lauren Cunningham was praying almost the same prayer. And one day they ended up having lunch together. <clears throat> In fact, the day after Lauren Cunningham received a revelation from God, they had lunch together and they had both been given the same thought. They both had been given this understanding of seven categories on which they needed to focus. And there, though the wording was different, it was basically, it was essentially the same seven things. Very powerful. Bill Bright called them seven cultural mind molders or world kingdoms. It really didn't catch on. The teaching didn't really spread like wildfire. They, they, they put it in their movements, but it didn't catch on with the greater body of Christ until in the early 2000s, a guy named Lance Walnow, prophetic guy, uh, marketplace apostle, 
friends of friends of ours, we were in the same kind of camp back in the early 2000s. And when Lance Wanhouse spent time with Lauren Cunningham, he heard the whole story right from the horse's mouth, you might say, and it just rocked him. And he said, why didn't this get into the body of Christ? Why is this, why don't people know these seven mind molders, seven world kingdoms? And, and the Lord began showing him these, he, he calls them seven mountains of influence. Seven mountains of influence. We talked about the gates last week, go through the gates. What are gates? Gates are entrances into the soul of society. And as you can see on the screen, that there, it, these seven cultural mind molders, world kingdoms, or seven mountains of influence, whatever you want to call it, business, in no particular order, this is just random order, business, government, family, religion, media, education, arts, and entertainment. These are individual spheres of power and authority that simply shape the way people think. It shapes your mind. And we're gonna talk about them a little bit today because here's the point. Not only do we individually have a calling into the body of Christ, into the house of God to serve each other, but we have a calling then from this place to go penetrate those mountains with the influence of God. You have an anointing, not just somebody else. <clears throat> you, don't, you may not even see it that way right now, but we're gonna talk about it. Modern day kings occupy the thrones of these seven mountains that become ideological strongholds. Lance Wannell says, in reality, they are houses built out of thoughts. These are, so ideologies try to go through these mountains and when they get through the mountains, they get into the culture. Here's the great news about our God. Isaiah chapter two says this, and one of the other prophets, I forget if it's, I think it's Micah, but another prophet has almost exactly the same word as Isaiah about the last days. And the last days says God, the mountain of the Lord's house will be at the top of the mountains and all the nations shall come running into God's mountain, God's house, Zion, the church. We have to get past all of this, <clears throat> just going through religious little things and understand that we have power, but we have to deal with the thoughts of this world. This teaching became more mainstream in the early 2000s and now books and volumes have been written on the subject. These thought structures become the predominant pillars that shape the culture and establish the spiritual climate of each nation. See, there are climates. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, the first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28 are blessings. If you listen to the voice of the Lord your God and obey his commands, you'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. You'll be blessed in your, in your refrigerator, your freezer, and your pantry. Those weren't mentioned in scripture in the King James, obviously. But in the modern day, in your basket in your storehouse, you'll be the head, not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. But the next the rest of Deuteronomy 28 says, but if you don't obey God and you don't walk with him and listen to him, the heavens will close over you like brass. 
My friend, we live in a world that has every city, every region has closed or open heavens and it's not dependent upon the sin of the land. It's dependent upon the church. It's dependent upon the, the living, breathing witness of God's people, not what everybody else is doing. See, sometimes in the traditional church, where I made that comparison earlier, and I'm not trying to be ugly about it, but sometimes in the church, we're, we're all pointing the finger at everybody else. Look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. When the Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. I'll heal their land. The gatekeeper of the culture is not what the ungodly or the wicked are doing. The gatekeeper of the culture is you and me. We have an influence. In fact, you have more influence than you realize you have. There's open or closed heavens. And I, listen, we've lived under open heavens before in Ocala. And we need to open these heavens again. We need to open these heavens in worship and in praise and in prayer and in spiritual warfare and in you carrying that presence with you into every place you go. The Bible tells us the future of these mountains, the future of the kingdoms of this world. <clears throat> Revelation eleven fifteen says this, excuse me. Then the seventh seal, seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven. I wanna point out one thing, heaven is loud. There's another, I'm not trying to, I didn't plan on making myself, you know, comparison with the traditional church today. But if you walk into a church and it sounds like a library, it doesn't sound like heaven. Okay? Look what it says. Look what it says. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world, those mountains, have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever and ever. Whoever can take these mountains can take the harvest of nations. This is about not just praying a prayer. This is not just about even discipling people. Jesus said all authority has been given unto him. Go therefore and make disciples of nations. That's what he says. You go, therefore, make disciples of nations. You think, well, how do you disciple a nation? You get past addition and into multiplication. You get past, <clears throat> you get past going through the motions and everybody coming and looking at church as a place I go. And yes, you come and get filled up. But out of this, you carry Jesus with you. You carry an anointing with you. We're talking about it more. But I want you to understand that you're called to influence influencers. No matter how old you are or how young you are. No matter what you feel about your, well, I can't afford to influence people. It doesn't cost money to influence people. It costs you time, relationship. It costs you character. It costs you dying to yourself and taking up his cross and following him. The virtues 
of good work we've been talking about on your job earn the right to influence others. Your diligence, excellence, creativity, dependability. We've talked about this whole month. And this word, integrity. Integrity. Leadership, I've said for years, and I'm gonna, this is something you've seen on the screen before, but I'm gonna put it again, up again. Leadership, John Maxwell says, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Leadership doesn't mean you're up there at the head of everything, but it means you're involved in being around the head. You're influential. Back when I used to say to my wife, look, now that we're Christians, the Bible says I'm the head of the house. She said, that's true, but I'm the neck. And the neck turns the head. That's influence. That's influence. Leadership is influence. Influence comes from credibility. But credibility comes from integrity and productivity. How credible is your life? How credible are you at work? That's the question. Zig Ziglar said this, the most important persuasion tool you have in your arsenal is integrity. The integrity is defined as the entire unimpaired state of anything, moral soundness or purity, incorruptness, incorruptness. Let me ask you this question today. If you were the only sold out Christ follower that the people you work with had ever met, what would be their impression of God? If you're the only Christian at work, <clears throat> some of you are, but if you're the only Christian at work, if you're the only one, or if you were the only one there that they ever met that was really on fire for God, somebody consistent, sold out, radical Christ follower, and you love the Lord with all your heart and you're pursuing him, but you're carrying that presence in where you work, what would people think God is like if you were the only Christian that they knew? Would they think he's religious, judgmental, critical, lazy, always looking to make an excuse to get out of work, always coming in late, leaving early? Got quiet in here, didn't it? <laughs> wow. There have been times and seasons in history where the church did influence all the other mountains. Times like the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s under Martin Luther. That Reformation hit all of society. Can I tell you that revival has different portions and parts. Revival is just the, is just the, 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 the arrow. It's, this, it's the tip of the spear going in. That's revival. That's God waking up the church, raising up the church, making us alive in him afresh and again. That's revival. But there's another part of revival. It's called transformation, where you start to, you start to work on, you start to see changes in the culture, changes in society, changes where your, where your spiritual warfare is actually having an effect. It's called reformation. When Martin Luther challenged the powers of the darkness of the ancient Roman Catholic Church in the 1500s, he declared war and he did battle. 
That revelation, the just shall live by faith and faith alone, it cost him. It almost cost him his life. But they put him, people kidnapped him to save his life and put him away for a few years where he decided to translate the Bible into German, the common man's language at the time in Europe. <clears throat> and in doing that, they just so happened to have had an invention a couple of decades before called the printing press. And now they started printing Bibles and saying, okay, here's what he's talking about. Don't just read, don't just hear what they're telling you in Latin homily. Read it for yourself and see what the word of the Lord says. It empowered them and it shook society from the kings right down to the peasants. It shook the world. And I'm telling you where we're headed is not just revival. Revival is what we're believing for. We're praying for revival. Don't get me wrong. But revival is just the tip of the spear. It's the arrowhead. It's the, it's the beginning, not the end. It's not just for us to go, woo, did you feel that? That's awesome. That's great that, that, you know, as Christians, when we feel the presence of God, but you feeling the presence of God is not about you getting a goosebump. Suddenly feeling better for a few minutes. It's about a lasting impact that comes through you and changes the way you see your life and see the world. There are other times in, church, in world history when the church was temporarily relegated to insignificance. And I tell you, that's exactly what the devil wants. The enemy wants to relegate the church. That's what you can see through this whole thing. And I'm not gonna rehash what we've been through the last year and a half, but I'm telling you, government overreach and control about your daily life and what you can put into your body and what you have to wear on your face and all this stuff is a power grab of the devil. And it is designed to try to bring the church you can see it everywhere. Like I said last week, our friends, our missionary friends from Jamaica have said that they realize now that the whole plot, because now in Jamaica, they're doing a continued lockdown through the end of October, but just on Sundays. And they said, what's the deal? The only thing open on Sundays besides a couple of restaurants is the church. My friends, it's, it's as plain as the nose on your face if you just open your heart to see it. Because the enemy is afraid. So here's the great promise. The Bible says, when the enemy sees his time is short, he comes with great wrath at the church, the people of God. But they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, not loving their own lives even unto death. Reformation is in the air, my friends. But reformation is not dependent on what I do what Pastor Lindsay or Pastor Gail, Pastor Chris did. Reformation is dependent on what you do with Christ. How you carry the anointing of Christ in you, the hope of glory. We're not just taking people to heaven. We want to take people to heaven. Don't get me wrong. But that's not all we want to do. Well, our job is to open heaven and bring heaven to Ocala, Gainesville, the villages, Crystal River, Daytona Beach, Zuber, Bellevue, 
Summerfield. You're a kingdom carrier. And my friends, you're infected with something more powerful than a virus. You're infected with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love Ephesians 1. I referenced it a few weeks ago, but I've been just kind of meditating on this. <clears throat> Ephesians 1, 22. I didn't put the, I think it's the message, but I, I can't remember. But let me, I mean, here's what I'm reading to you. It says, he is in charge of it all. Jesus is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything, not just religion, not just theology. He has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. Can you say Amen. 20, verse 23, the church you see is not peripheral or relegated to insignificance in the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills a few things with his presence. Is that what it says? That's a, he, by which he fills a couple of things, most things, a couple little things. What's the word? Everything. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. You know what the Greek word for everything means? All everything. Carte blanche. Everything. How does he fill it? Through his church. Because the church is not peripheral. The church is not, what's peripheral vision? It's stuff you see over here, but it's not the focus. Uh, I see my finger, now I see it. That's peripheral vision. The enemy wants the church to be in the peripheral vision of the world. but Jesus is the center of all. Are you getting it? If you get this, it'll, it'll shift your life. It'll put your life in gear. If you've been stuck in neutral in your faith for the last year and a half, get ready to get in gear because we're going somewhere. Many mighty men and women of God believe that every Christ follower has been assigned the grace for impacting a particular mountain in these seven mountains. I don't have time to teach on all this stuff, but I'm gonna go through these real quickly, okay? <clears throat> Let's talk about the seven mountains. Business, number one. Not in, this is random order, but we've been talking about it this month, the whole month, about your business life, your work life. Here's how do you, how do you penetrate the business mountain and have influence there. Success is the currency of business. If you're a good worker and you're successful, people will listen to you. If you're not successful, listen, why do we believe in prosperity? Because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, there was a poor man who changed the city, but nobody even regarded him, even though he impacted his city, because nobody listens to somebody that's poor. Nobody listens to somebody that's in poverty. Success, listen, thriving... Thriving is the currency of influence in the business mountain. They don't care if you're in sales and you never sell anything. 
They don't care what you think about creative ideas in the workplace. They don't care. You're just hanging by a thread. But if you're the best worker, poverty and lack destroys influence. I'm not preaching on the, on the virtues of wealth. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying everybody has to be rich. I'm just saying you are blessed. You have to show that blessing everywhere you go in some way. And in business, people are looking to see if you're thriving or just surviving. Chick-fil-A. Think about the business mountain. People, what do we complain about? What does the world complain about Chick-fil-A for more than anything else? Not, you know, close on Sundays. That's exactly right. Listen, I'm a Christian believer. I still would like me some Chick-fil-A on some Sundays. <clears throat> but, their conviction has become a business model. And now in six days, they still prosper more per store, per unit. Their per unit profits are higher than any other restaurant in the world. Even though some are open seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And that did not change during the pandemic in many markets, it increased. They, 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 went to, they went from a, we all walk in and the kids play in the playground kind of a place to I'm ordering on the phone and driving by and they're shooting it through my window. Or I wish that that was what they were doing because sometimes you can't even get to the one on 200. <clears throat> That'll wait in line, get stuck. I'm just telling you, the world goes, what are we gonna do? Recently, during the last outbreak here in Florida and locally, Starbucks decided to close on Sundays. Now, I don't know if they're back open on Sundays now or not, but a few, just a couple of weeks ago, they, were, they announced, we're all closing on Sundays. Where'd they get that idea? It's good enough for Chick-fil-A. Government and politics. I don't want to get into all this too, too deep, but let me just say this to you. God is involved in government. Politics is the dirty business. Politics is the business of trying to get into government and trying to dominate sometimes in wrong ways. But I'll tell you this, the grassroots of local involvement in the last year to year and a half, many more believers are tired of the corruption in government and are jumping in to assist on boards or causes locally that try to create solutions to local problems in society. Many are starting to serve, many Christians are starting to serve as committee men and committee women in, the, in state government involvement. Many people getting involved in the process because they say it's so corrupt, what are we gonna do? Well, you have to do from the ground up. And I'm saying to you, some of you, some of you are called into the government mountain to be an influence, but you just start by serving. I've always thought that Matt Chalk, one of the first babies born in our church, is now 29 years old. I always felt like, he always told me when he was a little boy, he was gonna be governor of Florida one day. Still believe it for you, Matt, if you're watching. The family mountain. 
Can I tell you, influence begins with your family, but it doesn't end there. Thank God for men and women who are focused on raising their kids. But in our generation, when we were raising our kids in the 80s, I'm so thankful for people like Dr. James Dobson, Dr. Gary Smalley, godly men who steered our generation toward building strong marriages and families. But I believe God wants to raise up. Where, where are the, where's the next? Listen, Dr. Dobson is in his 80s and Gary Smalley's already in heaven. Where are the next, where's the next generation? Everybody's talking about who's the next Michael Jordan in basketball. I'm asking, who's the next James Dobson? Who's the next Gary Smalley? Where's the next, where's the next person with a passion for godly marriage? To stand for it and say, this is what marriage is. It's not all that. It's this. It's what the word says it is. Religion. Effectiveness within the religion. And here's the deal. The world would like to relegate us to stay in our own little Sunday morning religion box because that's the plan of the enemy. Because if he can relegate you to just religion section of the newspaper and religion section of everything else, he can destroy the influence of the church and there's no need for us anymore. But in religion, and I don't even like the word, but it's about, it's about worldview. The biggest thing we need to do to make sure we're taking, continuing to take the religion mountain is understanding that the Bible is inerrant and inspired and infallible and that Jesus Christ is Lord and the Son of God. We have to hold to the truth of the word, amen. Now here's where I wanna focus the, the final few moments I have with you. The final three, the big three, media, Arts and entertainment and education. Because I believe in this church there's a whole lot of people called to go through those gates, called to work in those mountains. Let's talk about media for a moment. <clears throat> Most people, no matter what side of the aisle you, st you, you sit on, most people have become very discouraged by the failure of the media the last few years. Really, the last couple of decades untrustworthy is what people say about the media today. Alternative media has been forced to spring up to give more than one side of the story. And social media has taken your voice and mine and given power to the people for a, month, for a minute. But think about it. It's also empowered the tech giants to come in and bring censorship and tell us, well, this is, this is not appropriate to be said. And this, we don't agree with, so it's not true. Let me tell you something, folks. We need people, we need your voice in media. We need you to be involved. We need you to be a truth teller. <clears throat> we need you to be bringing the good news. Anybody, listen, it takes no discernment at all to discern the problems of society and point them out. That's not prophetic, that's pathetic. Arts and entertainment. Now, I want to. Here's what I say: Arts, entertainment, and sports are a category to me. I'm gonna put sports in there because this is. This has become the epicenter of cultural values, the dominance of celebrity culture. Many believers are in this realm, but many have compromised with demonic spirits for so long that they've lost their power. 
Thankfully, God is always raising up. God is always wanting to anoint somebody else to step into that area. And, and I mean, music, Hollywood. Someone told me recently that C.C. Winans did a duet at the Country Music Awards or something with uh, Carrie Underwood, who's also a Christian, and that the power of God hit the CMA Awards and people stood and gave a standing ovation with tears coming down their face, just recently. My own grandkids went the other night to Dude Perfect. I don't know if you've ever, if you don't have grandkids or kids, you don't know Dude Perfect, but Dude Perfect is, these guys are radical guys, five radical guys from Texas, from, was it Baylor University? I think they were from Baylor where they met. Radical for Jesus, started doing crazy tricks online and it's become a movement. They sell out arenas wherever they go. How many, have, how many have never heard of Dude Perfect? Raise your hand. Look at that. You never heard of Dude, Dude Perfect. Can I tell you that among the kids, the young people and young families, Dude Perfect is everything. And they, my family went Thursday night to the arena. I didn't get to go. But they went to the arena in Orlando. Sold out arena. Dude Perfect. And at the end of the thing, Ty, the, one of the main guys, said, we're gonna release you now, but I'm gonna take a little five minute, get a drink of water, come back and just talk to you about something from my heart. And he shared the gospel. And every time he mentioned Jesus, by the way, most of the people stayed. That's reformation. That's revival and reformation. What about Mark Burnett and Roma Downey? I always called her Roma Downey Jr. because of Robert Downey Jr. But Mark Burnett and Roma Downey just keep producing family friendly things. It doesn't have to, they don't have to say the name of Jesus to be kingdom principles, to give, to give us something to watch on TV that we can watch with our kids and grandkids. We need you to go through that mountain, to climb that mountain. If you have a talent, a gift, and an ability, maybe, maybe there's a child in the room today. Maybe you have a gift and you have to come through Pastor Lindsay and train that gift that you have for voice or whatever. And you can have a platform at some point to be able to lift up Jesus in the world. And last but not least, in fact, I'm gonna say this is the biggest thing God's been dealing with me on. Education. We talked about the teachers and the administrators a month ago, a month and a half ago when we prayed for y'all to go back to school. It wasn't enough. The Lord brought a, an old saying to my mind when I was reading in my devotions, I've been reading through the kings of Israel and, and the kings of Judah and Chronicles and First and Second Kings and studying those things about history. And I love that. And I remember this, this old saying, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Because many of the kings of Israel and Judah, they were coronated when they were kids or teenagers. And who they became as leaders was largely based on their nanny or their spiritual advisor, their pastor, their priest. You can find it in generation after generation after generation in the Bible that these people became what the people around them raised them to be. The teachers. Teachers 
teachers, you have a holy calling into this generation. There's an anointing on you to bring the shift. One of the greatest, most influential roles today, teachers and coaches. It is underestimated. One of the guys that was in our church years ago in our Bible school, young guys in the military now, but he was from Alabama. Funny guy, could have been a comedian. We're still in touch with him, we love this guy. Some of you might remember Benji, Benji Abbott. Benji, every time he'd go, he'd do something, he would tell us what his coach used to say. And he'd do impressions of his coaches from his high school football team. And it was hilarious. Teachers and coaches. Bill Johnson said this, while it could be argued that athletes and entertainers today have a greater role in shaping the minds of the young, it is the educators and coaches who generally shape the minds of the athletes and entertainers in their way of thinking. You remember when Tom Hanks won his first Oscar? He called out his drama teacher from high school. How many times when they win an award do they say, I wanna thank so-and-so who poured into me. I wanna thank this teacher. In my life it was Mrs. Elmore, my band director, from sixth through eighth grade. Made me wanna be better made me want to live for God in a lot of ways. Teachers, you reach people in your ministry that would never listen to the likes of me. Teachers, coaches, administrators, you have a holy anointing. And our young people need to become trained and inspired to become teachers and coaches who stand overtly and covertly in their genuine faith in Jesus Christ. This is how we speak to the mountains. This is how we speak to the mountains. If you're a teacher or you're involved in school education, I know we just prayed for you six weeks ago, but I want you to stand up right where you are. I wanna honor you, I wanna bless you, I wanna tell you, listen, if you're homeschooling, your kids, whatever, you're important. All of you involved in education, stand up. Everybody stretch your hands toward them right now. Father, we thank you for a fresh anointing on everyone here who teaches or inspires others. We pray for the coaches. We pray for the teachers. We pray for a fresh anointing from heaven to let them see their destiny. Let them not just get caught up in the day-to-day and the doldrums of going to work and, 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 and dealing with all the stuff they deal with, with whatever age group they deal with. Father, let your anointing be on them at home, those that are watching, the teachers, the coaches, the bus drivers, the administrators. We release not just protection for you when you go to school, but we release an anointing from heaven for you to occupy till Jesus comes. That you would go in there in faith with your head held high and be who God called you to be. And don't compromise his word, but stand in his love, his grace, and his truth. And we honor you 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give it up for our teachers right now? Put your hands up. Come on. Give it up for them. Give it up for them. If some of you parents wound up homeschooling last year and now your kids are back in school, I know you feel a relief. But send, send them to anointed teachers in schools. This is how we speak to mountains. And I'll finish with this. Years ago, we started going every couple of years to New York around Christmas time as a family. Gosh, like 24 years ago, we started doing that. We haven't been in a few years now. But I never forget walking into Macy's, like the real Macy's and Bloomingdale's in New York City. And there are all these people ready to spritz you with something. Like, I mean, they're, they're, they got perfumes, colognes, and you walk in the door like, would you like to try this? Would you like to try that? May I, may I spray this in your face? Second <laughs> Corinthians 2.14 tells us how to speak to mountains. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And, and, so are we, a lot of people stop right there. He always leads me in triumph in Christ. He does. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Spritz. Spritz, spritz. Every time you walk into work, You're spritzing, diffusing, atomizing, spreading. You might wear a mask for COVID now, and that's fine. Not against that. But you are unmasked in the spirit. You are free. You will not be muzzled. Because you're called to spritz. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, would you come and move in this place? I charge every person, no matter where they work or what they do, everyone hearing the sound of my voice, whether you're at home or in a hotel room somewhere, you have an anointing. You have an empowerment from God to carry the presence and the power. When you walk in, an atmosphere of Jesus walks in with you. My God, don't leave Jesus here when you, when you leave the building in a few moments or when you get up and go with whatever you're doing if you're watching. Don't leave Jesus where you are. Take Jesus with you. Invite him, ask him, because you are a diffuser. You are the one to bring forth the fragrance of Jesus, the fragrance of the anointed one and his anointing comes through you wherever you go and you don't have to say a word. I'm not asking you to beat people on the head with your Bible. I'm saying you carry his love. You carry his presence. You carry his vision. You carry his heart. 
any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. If you want a fresh anointing for your life, would you put your, both your hands up in the air? Say, I, I need a fresh power. I need a fresh anointing in my life, Pastor. I wanna pray for you right now. In whatever area, whatever sphere your dominion is in, whatever sphere, whatever influence, whoever you come into contact with, Father, I pray for a fresh touch from heaven upon the people of now church that they would see their lives and their love in servitude to Christ Jesus the Lord. That wherever they go and whatever they do and whoever they come into contact with, they carry your presence in Jesus' name. Be blessed. Be strong in who he made you to be. Quit trying to be something you're not. Ministry is not platform alone. Ministry is what all of us do every place we go. Because it's simply, ministry simply means service. Service. Take this service with you and carry his presence. And I feel God in this room. Lord, help us to get to work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Did you enjoy that today? Did you get anything from God and that whole series called Help Wanted? Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.